Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 192 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And for a cool Sunday afternoon. Mm. Oh, my Lord. So it was we, 46 degrees here this morning. Okay, it's a little too cold for me. But it was glorious. I loved it. But listen, we just flew in, flew back. Me and my wife spent a few days out in Las Vegas um, celebrating a friend's birthday and so we just got back and we were in Vegas at a state park and it was like 90 and the sun beating down, like it was hot. Mm-hmm. Got on a plane next day, flew home, landed, drove home and like got home and I was like, it is like, it is cold. Mm-hmm. It is below 60 out here. This is fantastic. Yep. <laughs> it was so glorious this morning. Um of course, my son wanted to wear shorts to church, so we were the we were those parents. Um, but hey, you know, I'm not going to fight a five year old; he'll learn. Um, That's right. That one time he's cold, he's like, "I'm never doing that again." Yeah. So, <laughs> no, it, the weather was great today. It's been you know, just nice, and um, the sun's out. There's basically no clouds outside today, so mm-hmm. um, this weekend's been really nice. First, really nice weekend we've had, you know, where it wasn't insanely hot or rainy or stuff in a while so yep but and we're recording on a sunday which uh it just it just is what it is that's right you get get us on sunday afternoon in between naps and football games yep so we may go off the rails a little bit we may (laughs) we may stay on the rails better i don't know maybe we find out sunday afternoons our niche that's right. We set we set an ambitious goal to do two books of the Bible today. We're gonna to find out if we're either up to the challenge or not. Yeah, we're going to. So but let's not delay what we do any longer this afternoon. Yes. It's gonna be hard not to say tonight. Let's drink some beer. Anthony, what are you drinking? So I've got from uh this is the Wild Barrel Brewing Company located in California. I can't decide if they're actually in Temecula or San, I guess San Marcos is where they are because it says San Marcos Tap Room and Brewery. So everything, I guess, is brewed in, in San Marcos. Um, California, West Coast beer. No, I did not buy this when I was in Vegas. I drove, I flew all the way back to the east to find this West Coast beer. So there you go. <laughs> um, but this is the Wild Barrel Vice Watermelon Apricot Berliner Weiss Ale. Um, comes in at 5.6 ABV and I really just wanted something, uh, hopefully this is going to be light and fruity. I've really become a fan of Berliner Weiss beers, like Mm. the fruity flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, ever since I did that goat Island, the blood orange, uh, from goat Island, I've really like, if I see one, I'll try it, especially if it looks good. So Mm -hmm. that's what I've got going on for this afternoon. What do you have? So I've got from new realm brewing company. Um, they're 
this is canned either in Atlanta or Virginia Beach. So um, not really sure where they're both cities are listed on the can. So I guess it could be either. I have mm. the Tropic Dream Fruited Wheat Ale uh, brewed with passion fruit, blood orange and guava. Um, I just saw this. I'll take a picture of it and send it. And uh, we'll post it after we post the podcast. But look, can you see the the number right there under the package? Six twenty two twenty three. No, 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 no. Underneath oh, oh, 16, that. 11. Nice. We got a little. <laughs> we got a little uh, KJV. Uh, got some K. This is a KJV stamped beer. Yeah, it's, just so it's you stamped. know. Yep. So <laughs> uh, I got a fruited wheat ale. Um, and like, kind of like Anthony, I like the, uh, but I've always liked the fruited stuff. Um. The wheats are coming around on me. I'm still not as high on them as I am like a sour or something like that, but they're coming around mm -hmm. on me. So we'll see how this one goes. Uh, um, maybe pleasantly surprised. So there you go. But I think the only way to find out is to crack these things open. Let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Mm, that smells nice. It's been a while since I've had a watermelon beer, so that's why I was like, it's the end of summer. No better way to celebrate the end of summer than with watermelon beer. Of course, it's been like, it's I say October is like the end of summer. For me, the summer is over when it gets cool. So, yeah, I realize it officially Have you started, ends in like August. Did you start listening to Christmas music yet, or is that November? That's after Halloween. Uh, I typically start that November 1. Okay. So I, I, I could never I, remember. Because the other day, when it was October 1st, I was like, I bet Anthony is listening to Christmas music today. Have you listened I mean, to Christmas I'm, music yet? I may or may not have started prepping my 2023 Christmas playlist well, already. <laughs> as it's as has been uh, noted before on the podcast, I'm still a bit of a Grinch. So <laughs> even with kids, I'm still a bit of a Grinch. This smells really nice. It smells like a... Uh, um, like a Topo Chico. Yeah. Have you ever had one of those? Uh, no, I have not. That those, sounds delicious. Or, or it tastes like, or smells like a, uh, like a tropical, like Mexican soda. Like they come in like the glass bottles. It's, it's, that's mm -hmm. what it smells like. So nice. I have, I have high hopes for this one. My smells all refreshing and clean. So I'm ready to drink it and see how good it tastes. Well, let's go. Here we go. Cheers. Mm. I can go do it. So um, it's really good. The flavors um, I'm getting the three different fruit flavors, pretty evenly distributed. Um, it's really nice and light. I don't think I mentioned it. It's 5% ABV. So um, mm -hmm. it's not too heavy on you. It's not going to mess you up too bad. Um, I mean, it tastes like sitting on a beach kind of okay. like it, yeah. it has like that. Um, that fruity drink feel a little bit to it. Um, I bet. Yeah. I know we talked about it whenever it was maybe last week with the margarita stuff. I bet this would be good mixed with some tequila. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it's, it's not a five Luther at all. Um, I think I'm going to land. My gut is saying four Luthers on this guy. Um, it's good. It's really good. Okay. Um, okay. You know, fruit flavors are, are spot on. It's just, there's nothing like, it's just a fruit ale. It's just, it's, you know, it's good. It's really good, but there's nothing like, wow, I did. 
you know, I found a hundred dollars after I drank that. That didn't happen. So, um, so it's going to be a four Luther for me on the okay. uh, Tropic Dream. All right, four Luthers. So the watermelon apricot is is interesting because, and I, I I had to look this up to make make sure I was right. So apricots are sweet and tart, and watermelons are sweet. So I was anticipating a little more sweet with just a like a pinch of tart mm-hmm. going on in this one and I actually I thought it would taste very similar to the blood orange um but maybe a little bit sweeter so it is sweet and it is tart and so it gets points for all of like being in the right vein I guess you could say as far as flavor wise to me though like the thing that I've liked about Berliner Weisses is they're they're good flavor but they're not like overbearing flavor this one is almost, it's not quite, but it's almost to the point of being overbearing on the flavors. Like it's, there's too much mm-hmm. uh, of the watermelon and apricot mixed in there. So it's, it's not a, it's not that it's a bad flavor. It's just, it's almost like it's a little too strong on the flavor wise. So for that, I'll, I'm going to come in on this one and I'm going to give it four Luthers as well. So okay. it's, it's a good flavor. The, you get that like crispness that a Berliner Weiss typically has. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and the, and the tart kind of comes out in that crispness, but it's, uh, it's almost like, all right. Have you ever had one of those juices where you mix two or three different things together? And it's just like, it's good, but you can't have too much of it. Like it's real rich. Yeah. That's what, that's almost what this is. Like it, okay. it it's good flavor, but it's just a little too rich for me. And, and I, you know, I don't know that I would have more than one of these at a time, even though they are good and enjoyable. I probably would yeah. never have more than just one at a time just because the flavor is so rich and it just kind of hangs in your mouth there. Yeah. Okay. So, but four Luthers on the, uh, the vice watermelon apricot Berliner Weiss, uh, from wild barrel. It's a good job. Good job guys. They're out in California. Um, so there you go. There is a couple of beer reviews and, uh, next we're going to attempt to, to make our way through, both of the Thessalonians and see if we can uh, can't make it through and, and get a little ahead of schedule. So stick around and we will be right back. And we are back with this week's episode, uh, like Anthony alluded to before the break there. We are going to, uh, I guess we're going to, there's no trying, there is no try, only do. Um, we're going <laughs> to... Thanks, Yoda. <laughs> yeah, we're going to um, tackle first and second Thessalonians this week. Um, and how we'll do it, we'll break it up. Uh, we'll do the orienting data for each, and then the advice for each, um, and then we'll walk through first Thessalonians and walk through second Thessalonians. So... Yeah. Um, let's jump right into it. So here's the here's the orienting data for First Thessalonians. Um, this is a letter of thanksgiving, encouragement, and exhortation um, that was written to um, recently converted Gentile believers in Thessalonica. Um, it's written around uh, 50 51 A.D. This is written after Timothy's return to Paul 
after he's visited the so Timothy's gone to Thessalonica, come back to Paul, and now Paul's writing a letter to send yep. to Thessalonica. Um, also, I, f- I forgot to mention this is probably going to move a little quicker than normal, just just because. Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, sorry if it feels like we're moving fast, it's because we are. Um, so anyway, um, in First Thessalonians, there's going to be four uh, main emphasis here. Uh, Paul's going to be showing concern for his friends, um, the friends he's made in Thessalonica. Um, there's going to be uh, suffering as part of the Christian life. Excuse me. Yeah, suffering is part of the Christian life. So the idea that just because you're a follower of Jesus um, doesn't mean that you're immune to trials and and uh, issues and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Paul is going to encourage them to stay pure in sexual matters. Um, so we'll get into that uh, when we go through the walkthrough. Uh, we'll get to, into all of this when we go through the walkthrough. Um, and then Paul is going to um, explain the resurrection of the dead and Christ's second coming. And so yes. um, kind of a wide range of topics here for Paul, what he's covering here. But that's also kind of his M.O. when he's writing letters. So he's he's covering a lot of things and trying to be concise, but also it's important to go into all this. And so yeah. um, – when we go through the walkthrough, we'll 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 dive into each of each of those a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit deeper. So, um, but there's an orienting data for First Thessalonians. So, Anthony, why don't you take us through the orienting data for Second Thessalonians? Yeah. So, in parallel um, with First Thessalonians, and which is which part of the reason that I, I thought it would be a good idea to try to do these together because they do run very very parallel to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Second Thessalonians, it's a letter of encouragement. It's very similar to First Thessalonians, but he's going to hone in on um, suffering and and making sure that the believers there, because they are new believers, are not being misled. Okay, mm-hmm. um, you're gonna it's it's gonna have some aspects of like Galatians and even uh, Colossians, where you had people who were challenging Paul and things like that were coming in and, and some people were being drawn away. And so Paul's just going to can, you know, kind of do his thing and continually encourage them to stand true to the gospel, which he taught them, um, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, same time, same recipients that, that the first letter came in, maybe, you know, a year or so in between them. Um, but what's going to kind of, encouraged the second letter to, to come on is that Paul heard that some are saying that the day of the Lord had already happened. The second coming had already happened. Mm. Of course, you know, there's, there's scripture verses that say, you know, um, some of you will never say, uh, see or taste death before I come again. And, and so that's, you know, in that first century, um, you know, 30 to 80 AD time frame. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, that's going to make sense that, that, there's going to be people who won't die before they see the second coming of Christ, you know, and, and that's the way they're going to interpret that. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that led to a lot of people being misled by certain things and, and it kind of taking their eye off the ball. So Paul's going to address a lot of that. Um, the same thing that he did in the, in the first letter. Um, and then he's also going to kind of towards the end of second Thessalonians, he's going to bring up some stuff from the first book and be like, Hey, you guys have never really fixed this. Y'all need to continue to work on this. And so he's uh, he's going to continue to push them into a um, corrective state, but he does it nicely because he, you know, Paul's always aware of who his audience is, who his readership is, and so he's going to he's going to just continue to to 
kindly correct them and 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 show them how they should be living. Mm-hmm. Um, some big emphasis here for the second book of Thessalonians is going to be uh, the sure salvation of the Thessalonian church and the judgment of their persecutors. Now, this this is going to harken back to remember back when we were going through the the prophets in the Old Testament, where um, you would have these promises and these prophecies that would come forth, and and it would be you know. You're gonna be you're gonna be persecuted now, but this is gonna happen. You know, these other they're going to get their just reward. You know, remember the book of Jeremiah where Babylon comes in and and um and then they oppress Israel and then at the end of you know, you have the destruction of Jerusalem, but at in the at the end of everything, Babylon falls as well and 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 Israel is restored. So it's the same kind of concept there and then Paul's going to continue to repeat that the day of day of the Lord is ahead, it's not behind them, it hasn't already happened. Um and that they need to be on on lookout for it because I mean if if the day of the Lord had already happened, you know, well we we missed it. So oh well, next, mm-hmm. you know, it's he's encouraging them to stay on task is is really what he's doing. Yeah. Um and then at the end of Second Thessalonians, there's a real interesting thing, and we're going to talk about this when we get into the walkthrough. But um, the idle and the disruptive should work for their food, and and this is going to be where we we really grasp a Christian work ethic. So so when we get to that, I want I want to dive into that a little bit, um, just because I think there are some misconceptions about the Christian work ethic as far as what we should do, what we shouldn't do, how we should mm. help in charity and benevolence, and so. I want to spend just a little bit of time when we get to that, um, but just know that those themes are coming, um, and that's kind of how we're going to orient ourselves around Second Thessalonians. So let's move on into the advice section. Give us some First Thessalonians advice. Sure. So um, when we're reading First Thessalonians, you're reading um, what is very likely the earliest still existing Christian documents. Um, yep. So the you know the the earliest documents that they still have. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a historical significance to what you're reading here because it is, you know, we still have the original or some of the originals yeah. from first Thessalonians. Um, Paul is going to be, you know, Anthony touched on it. Paul's going to be very encouraging to them. Um, this is kind of, a, like a, a friendship letter. Um, but he, Paul doesn't receive, did not receive a uh, support from them. But um, they worked while he was with them. So they worked side by side, but you know, the first Thessalonians didn't give Paul that support that a lot of the, some of the other churches um, have given him in the past. Yeah. Um, Paul is going to be warning them against things that are generally accepted in the Roman society. We already talked a little bit about, um, the the staying pure in sexual matters um mm-hmm. there's a lot of spe- sp- there's a lot of specific instruction from paul in regards to sexual ethic um you know on the society as a whole um toward the individual as well um and so paul is going to say hey a lot of the things that are happening in the culture around you you are called to live differently because of who you follow and who you claim yeah um and that's a good reminder to us too. Just because it's common in the culture around us doesn't mean it's okay for us. Um, that's right. And, and we can despise the actions of others. We can despise the um, we can despise that, but that doesn't 
this may be a little bit of a, a rabbit trail. So stay with me. Um, getting ahead of it instead of at the back end. Um, <laughs> we can despise the actions of others, but it doesn't give us the right to despise them. To despise the people um, mm-hmm. that that are they're carrying out those actions. So yeah, um, we are called to live different, but that doesn't mean we are to called we're not we're not called to look down on people who believe differently than we do. Um, yes. So, um, sorry, rabbit trail over. Um, and then uh, the recipients of Thessalonians are their culture is very similar to the recipients of the Philippian letter. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities there. And so, um, anything you pick up while reading Philippians, you can also apply to the, uh, Thessalonians and vice versa. If you pick up on something in Thessalonians, you can apply it, um, to the culture, to the, uh, recipients in Philippians as well. So, yeah. um, that's the advice for first Thessalonians. I hope you see the pattern that we're doing here. Um, take us, That's Anthony, right. through the advice of Second Thessalonians. <laughs> yep. So Second Thessalonians is really, I mean, it's just a building block off of First Thessalonians. And so the advice, a lot of the advice is the same, um, but it's almost like the next step in the chain or the next block that you put on top of it. So this letter is a little bit more direct. Uh, it's a little bit more to the point. So it's a little bit shorter than the first letter. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, you know, maybe the first letter is just Paul setting the stage and he knows he's going to be writing some more. Um, and so he does that at a later date. But one of the big things that that kind of uh, a key theme that rolls throughout that's going to be central to understanding how to read and how to understand Second Thessalonians is this idea of work in in the second letter. Their, their lack of work was concerning for Paul. And so he writes to encourage them and you know, there's a couple of different uh, opinions about why Paul would have encouraged them in their work. You know, some people were saying that, oh, because of the they they thought the second coming had happened, that they you know had sold all their belongings or they had quit all their jobs and were and were getting ready to be you know taken up into heaven because they thought the end was coming. And it's like, you know, we've seen it in society the the groups that sell all their belongings and and roll out to the mountainside to stand on the hilltop and wait for it and only to be left standing there because of no good reason at all, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, but more than likely because in society, in, in this Greco Roman society, there was a bit of cultural disdain for manual labor. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of Roman citizens felt like they were, they were too important for work. You know, slavery was big in this society. Um, and so as they were, as they were transitioning out of what they had known, okay, which was, you know, I hire people to work for me. I don't do work. I hire people to work for me. Um, as they're transitioning to that, Paul is really displaying for them a different view, um, of, of what work should be. And, and, you know, that work is something that you produce and that you're proud of. And it's a, it's a byproduct of how you glory uh, glorify God. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so as we, when, when we get, we're going to walk through first Thessalonians next, but, but as we walk through this, kind of keep that rolling in your mind, because this is going to be what closes out the second letter. And, and I think it's important to see that because, because it's like Paul is making this argument and he's saying, you know, the whole Christ hasn't come back. You've got to stay faithful. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. All of that kind of of dovetails into this idea of the Christian work ethic 
um, uh, which is which is where we'll we'll close out Second Thessalonians. So keep that in mind as as you're thinking about First and Second Thessalonians together, and and let's do a walkthrough of the book of First Thessalonians. Sure, let's do it. So Paul's going to start um, in uh, verse one of chapter one is the. Uh, our book says um, is the briefest of all of Paul's salutations, and so uh, he he does he doesn't waste any time getting into the meat of the letter here in First Thessalonians. Yep. Um, he's going to spend uh, most of chapter one um, offering a thanksgiving for the conversion of the church to Thessalonica. Um, he he greets them. He expresses gratitude for their faith um, and their endurance in the face of persecution. Um, he reminds them of their conversion and the hope that they have in Jesus's return. So he's really, um, I, I want to say commending them for, for staying the course when it's gotten hard for one, he, he's, he's saying, I, I thank God that he's thanking God for their conversion first and foremost, but then also he's saying, you guys are, are doing the things that it's difficult to do it's difficult to to endure through your faith through persecution it's it's difficult to when things get hard keep your reliance on jesus um and it's it's kind it's very convicting when you look at it from from the standpoint of 21st century because like and, and so I'm going to get very vulnerable for a second. There are times in my life, and I'm sure there are times in yours, um, listener or Anthony or whoever's, you know, whoever hears this, um, that we are operating under, oh, what's it called? Like we are functionally atheists where we, where we, where we don't, oh, yeah. where we don't live our lives like we believe the promises that God has given us. Mm-hmm. Or that we don't believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And Paul here is saying, yeah, you guys are are staying true to the course. You guys are doing the things that a lot of people say they want to do and they can't or they won't or whatever, whatever you want to put there. And Paul is saying, you guys are doing it. You guys are you guys are. There's other areas of, of what you're doing that we need to address. And I'm going I'm about to do that. But. Overall, you guys are you guys are are really are are doing it. So, um, mm-hmm. and then so that's that's chapter one, um, and then uh, he's going to move into chapter two here. He's going to start by recalling his ministry, um, for the sake mm-hmm. of the Thessalon for the Thessalonian church. Um, Paul's going to defend himself against charges of being this like door to door religious salesman. Yeah, salesman. <laughs> um, he, he he's um he's. Uh, describing his ministry he's he's basically saying he's defending himself saying i i'm i live what i preach and i'm not some you know i'm not some hoodwinker i'm not trying to trick anybody into anything this is what i believe yeah um, and he likens himself to a parent to the Thessalon- thessalonian church mm-hmm. um he, he's saying you you know you thessalonians are young um, you need nurturing, you need care, much like an infant would. Um, and Paul is saying, you know, 
I am the parent in our in this relationship. I'm the one that is sp- spending time um showing you how to do things. I'm the one that's there for you when you need me. Um and, yep. and Paul and Paul is saying, you know, that's my role at this point. Yeah. Um then there's going to be a, like a four verse break here. Um Paul's going to offer more thanksgiving. Um, and he's gonna he's this is Thanksgiving renewed, but there's also gonna be like a like a small bit of Thessalonian suffering here. Um, mm-hmm. Paul's gonna commend them for receiving the word of God and experiencing its transformative power. Um, and he's gonna highlight the contrast between their acceptance of the word and the opposition faced from unbelievers. So they've gone through this high of accepting the word of God and starting to apply it to their lives, but also facing the opposition of those in the culture around them that don't believe like they do. Um, and we kind of already talked a little bit about, yeah. about what that looks like practically. Um, we've, I'm mm-hmm. sure we've talked about that over the course of 192 episodes. So um, <laughs> anyway, um, and so now uh, we're going to finish chapter two, get into chapter three. Um, there's, there's going to be a lot about Paul, the Thessalonians, and Timothy. Um, Paul's going to express his very strong desire to go to visit the Thessalonians, um, but he's also going to look back and see how Satan has hindered those plans. He, you know, Paul, Paul in a lot of these letters says, "I long to be with you. I long to spend time with you," but these other things keep causing mm-hmm. me to not be able to do it. Whether it's you know diversions on his route or just whatever it may be paul paul has this longing in his heart to spend time with him but things keep popping up that prevent him from doing that um yeah and so instead paul's going to send timothy to encourage and strengthen the church in thessalonica um and he's what paul's paul's sending timothy because he's concerned of for their health and their well-being so um going back to the parent analogy like if yeah, and this is this is maybe a really bad example, but I'm going to try it. So if I can't help my son, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna ask my wife to see if she can help. Like like that's that's kind of that's yeah. kind of what's happening here. Paul's like, hey, I can't go. Timothy can, and Timothy's going to go on my behalf and say, here's what Paul is concerned about, and here's what Paul mm-hmm. says about what y'all are what y'all are um dealing with so um and then there's there's a lot of like little breaks in the in thessalonians i'm just realizing that there's like long like longer sections of like content and then like a little short break so um there's gonna be a three verse three verse break here uh for a prayer report um paul's gonna pray that the lord would enable him to visit the thessalonians soon um and that their love and faith would abound so paul again he longs to visit thessalonian church He's going to stop and pray to be able to do that. Um, and then he's going to – he prays for the very things that he's about to write – that he's about to write about. Is that yeah. how you word that? I don't know. I, I I may have messed up how you word that, but – Yeah, um, yeah. So he's – yeah, he's he's praying for the very things that he's going to tell them about in the next couple of chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's about to – he's about to write some more stuff. He's praying about what he's about to write about. So – uh, chapter four starts. He's going to talk about sexual purity, um, everyone's favorite topic. Um, <laughs> Paul instructs the, Thessalon- the Thessalonians to live in a way that pleases God um, by avoiding sexual immorality and pursuing holiness. 
Um, he emphasizes that God has called them to be sanctified. So this comes back to the just because culture says it's okay doesn't mean it's okay for you anymore. Um, That's right. Before Jesus, like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, live your life. It's, you know, they'll deal with it later. But, you know, but now that you claim Jesus and now that you say, I'm a believer in Jesus, Paul is saying these these are how this is how you need to live now. You uh, avoid sexual yeah. immorality, um, and and you are called to look different than the world around you. The mm-hmm. um, it's a Roman, right? Yeah, the Roman the Roman culture around them says have as many wives as you want, and Paul is saying you are to be um, committed to one man if you're a woman or one woman if you're a man um and that's it and and committed as in married not just committed as in like you like each other but like committed as in um married lifetime all that stuff um so the ways of the roman world around them don't apply to them anymore because of what jesus has done a lot of talking sorry um I don't talk this much usually in one in one go, which is it's just it's just <laughs> weird for me. So um, now <laughs> we're going to move on. Um, chapter four, verses nine through twelve. We got two uh, chapters left. <laughs> I know Paul's going to talk about love and working with one's own hand. So he's going to start talking about work. He's starting to lay the foundation that Anthony was talking about that he's going to write about in Second Thessalonians. Um, but work, he's going to start talking about work here a little bit. Um, Paul's going to encourage the Thessalonians to excel in the, in brotherly love, um, to lead a quiet, respectable life and to work Mm -hmm. diligently with their own hands, which sets an example for others. So when, um, when you are working and you are, you know, it feels like you're doing something that's either monotonous or no one sees it or whatever, Somebody is watching you, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a customer, yeah. whether it's your kids, you know, uh, whoever it is, somebody is watching you. And so however yeah. you work, you are to be setting an example for others. And that example yeah. is that I'm working as if I'm working for I'm working unto the Lord. And that's that's ultimately who we should be pleasing anyway with every aspect of our lives. And it's very difficult because we can't see them, but we can see like, oh, our boss is watching us. Our customers are watching us. Our coworkers are watching us. So it's a good reminder, especially for me personally, to be to work as if I mean, and he is, so that's a bad way to word it, but work as if Christ is standing right there watching the yeah. work. Um and so I don't know. I, I've I feel like I feel like a lot of this is like directed right at me for some reason. I don't know. Um <laughs> sometimes it happens that way. So um not that I don't work well, but sometimes it, it's easy to get into the rut of like nobody sees what you're doing, nobody yeah. cares what you're doing, but Christ cares. Christ Christ cares mm-hmm. because you wear his name. Christ yeah. cares because if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, how you work reflects on him not that he needs that but because if you carry his example i guess is how i would word that yeah 
Whew. All right. So um, the rest of chapter four, um, Paul's going to talk about the future of Christians who have died. Um, a wide range of topics here. Um, Paul's <laughs> going to comfort the Thessalonians regarding the fate of believers who have died, assuring them that those who died in Christ will be raised, who will be raised, I'm sorry, at his return. Um, and he explains the order of the resurrection and encourages them with the prospect of being forever with the Lord. Um, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't understand a lot of that stuff. The yeah. the resurrection, like if you die in Christ, like if you die in Christ when he returns, what does that even look like? So this is, this is actually where um... – a vast majority of Christians would say that the concept of a rapture comes from. Um, and, and because if you read this section, you'll see um, those, those famous words in the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those who remain will be called to meet him in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they say, oh, okay, well the, the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's the, that's the rapture. That's, you know, that's the church going away. Um, and, and then, the rest are, are the people who who are happen after the rapture. So, um, I you know, I remember I distinctly remember because I grew up uh, in what what would be considered um, theologically it would be called a dispensational church, and so that dispensationalism leans itself towards what we would call a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial uh, return of Christ, and so you have the rapture happening before the tribulation. Um, and then you have the seven years of tribulation. They draw from Daniel chapter seven, pretty much all of Daniel. Um, and then, and then you have the second coming of Christ happening before the institution of the millennium, um, which we're going to get to in Revelation. And so, they they put that that series of events here, and maybe I mean uh, potentially you can see it. I, I, I just grew up in it, so I just kind of accepted it as it was. And then when I was in college, I took a class and it was taught by four different professors, all from different viewpoints on eschatology. One of them was a dispensationalist. One of them was a postmillennialist. One of them was an amillennialist. And one of them is what we would call a historic premillennialist, which would be that the rapture uh, happens basically at the same time as the second coming of Christ. And then that all happens before the millennium. So all of that's wrapped up kind of rolling around theologically in these verses. And Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember the professor who was a uh, historic premillennialist said uh, to the professor who was a dispensationalist, he says, tell me in this verse where it says that those two events are two completely different events that happen years apart. And the professor was like, well, it's not in the text. And he said, thank you. And we, we <laughs> and and like it was at that moment that everything that I ever understood uh, or I thought I understood about uh, what I was learning to be eschatology was shattered. Um, and and since then I have I have journeyed down a, a much longer path, and and it has nothing to do with today's discussion. But mm-hmm. you know, it it just goes to show that just because you put something in the text doesn't mean it's in the text. Right. And, and so, and so could you put it there? Yes, you can put it there, but that doesn't mean it's there. Right. Um, and, and we need to learn the difference between interpretation and application. Yeah. Um, interpretation says, what does the text say? 
period. Not what does the text say to me? What does the text say? Um, and so, so there, there's a big difference there. But, you know, basically, if you remember, like all of the Thessalonians thought that the day of the Lord had already happened. Right. It had already, it had already come and gone. And so they were worried and, you know, they had missed something or whatever. And Paul's like, look, stop. Here's what's going to happen. These people are going to happen. These people, you know, these people are going to be gone. These people are going to be gone. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Okay. And so he's really just kind of explaining something to them that would have been, I guess, common discussion, common knowledge. It's not really common knowledge in our day today. Um, but, but this is not the, large proof text that says that that there's going to be a seven-year uh, tribulation and that this is going to happen and that's going to happen and let me get you this chart out and, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You know, it's not what this is. This is basically just a very point-blank warning of you got to stay ready. When it yeah. happens, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Until then, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And so uh, you just got to stay going forward. <laughs> I was about to ask that question. Like, at the end of the day, does it matter how it happens? No, it doesn't. So I, I, that that's the thing that kills me. I, I say kills me like that's a that's a terrible word. But like that's the thing that, get, that gets me going is like these people will have full out debates over things that they're it's just how they're interpreting the scripture and what they're yeah. interpreting the scripture to say. Who cares? Like, like, stop, <laughs> stop having these full out debates. Like if you're having like a full out debate on um, the legitimacy of different translations of the Bible. Okay, cool. Like, that's cool. If you're having a full-out debate on, um, I don't even know. I don't have another good example. That's the only <laughs> good example I have. But like... Why, why the 1611 is the best version of the Bible? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I don't... But, I mean... But at the end of the day, like, the, speci- the specific... The speciality... I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Um... I was going to, man. Like there are things that we there are things that we argue about that don't matter. Yes. And there are things we don't argue about that do matter. Do matter very much. Yeah. Yes. And so I feel like we get hung up on the wrong things a lot of times. We major and, on the minors. Yeah. And and, in, <laughs> and instead of, you know, instead of majoring on the majors. You know, we just like sweep those under the rug and don't worry mm-hmm. about it and don't have those hard yeah. and don't have hard discussions. I think that's the thing is people aren't afraid to have like hard discussion about hard discussions about things that matter. Yeah. You want to have a yelling match about stuff that doesn't matter. I think people will line up around the building to do that. Yeah. But like hard discussions about things that do matter very much. People are scared to do it for some reason. They are. Yeah. I mean, because I, it's a I don't lot easier. I don't love the idea. I don't love the idea of getting up before you and saying, Hey, here's where all you, you know, here's where you're wrong. Like I, I I don't love that idea. I don't know if I, and I don't know if I'd be willing to do it to be honest with you. But so, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's a tough place to be. So yes, it is. Anyway, little diatribe there. So Paul's going to wrap up first Thessalonians. Uh, the first half of chapter five, he's going to talk about the coming of Christ. Um, he's going to discuss the coming of the day of the Lord and the need for them to be ready and vigilant uh, for, for for Christ's coming. Mm-hmm. 
And he's going to contrast those who are in darkness with those who are children of the light and encourage them. And he's going to urge them to encourage one another. So, yeah. Um, He's going to talk about that for a little bit, and then he's going to conclude First uh, Thessalonians uh, here. He's going to provide some various exhortations, including respecting and esteeming the church leaders. Um, to um, He's going to encourage them to live in peace, admonish the unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, support the weak. And then he's also going to emphasize how important it is to rejoice, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances, um, mm-hmm. and that last one right there to give in all to give thanks in all circumstances. Um, I feel like we, I said I feel like a lot. I just realized that, but I do feel like I feel like there's a lot of times where it's easy to give thanks when things are going well, and when things are not going well, we don't even talk to God. Or we talk to yeah. God, but we want we talk to God like, please take this bad thing away from me. Yeah, get we're me out not, of the situation. Get me, get me out of this. We're we're not we're not praying like God. Like, thank you for this hard time. What do you want me to learn from this hard time, and how do you want me to be a better follower of Jesus through this? Like, like, what yeah. are you trying to show me that will make me a better follower of Jesus on the back end? Um, yeah, and so. I don't know. Maybe the maybe the lesson there is like if things are going great, thank God. If things aren't going great, thank God. Like mm-hmm. easy to say, hard to do. Yes. Yep. But I think that may be the lesson there at the end of uh yes. at the end of that first Thessalonians. So all right. Yes. First Thessalonians is done. So now we're How gonna walk through that? second. How, we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna walk through seconds the, the second <laughs> through the second one. So, the Anthony two Thessalonians, <laughs> two Thessalonians. All right, Donald, let's get it together. Um, here we go. The floor is yours, sir. So, Second Thessalonians uh, picks up, and and it's it's a little bit of a repeat. Um, and so you're gonna you're gonna come in. The first chapter is really the same thing that Paul always does. He's going to greet them again, opening the letter. He's going to greet the Thessalonian Christians. He's going to commend them on their faith, their perseverance uh, in the midst of the trials that they've been going through. Um, He reassures them that God's going to bring justice to those who have oppressed them and afflicted them um, and that they will be rewarded for their faithfulness. Again, tie this back to uh, what we know in the Old Testament, the Deuteronomic cycle, um, for obedience, there's blessing for disobedience. There's curses. It's the same concept. Um, you know, yes, we're under grace now and, and it doesn't negate salvation by any means or anything like that. But, but it's one of those things where faithfulness to God is rewarded. This is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that you're going to be rich and you're going to have all that your heart desires because the the book of First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians makes it clear that we're going to suffer. So, um, no. you know, in no way does this mean you're going to be rich and you're going to have everything your heart desires. No, it just means that God will provide for you, period. And what He provides will be what you need, period. And yeah. and we have to be content in that. And so, um, He's going to bring justice to those people and He's going to encourage them in their, uh faith in their prayer. He's going to rem- uh, encourage them to do good works and to be always on guard for the second coming of Christ, the return of Christ, because it is coming. 
And so that gets us through chapter one and then chapter two, he's going to do spend a little bit of time correcting some erroneous teaching uh, that's been coming. Paul here, he addresses concerns with the Thessalonian church um, regarding specifically the second coming of Christ. This is, this is one of the themes here. Um, he advises them not to be easily deceived by false teachers claiming that the day had already come, you know, and, and, uh, you know, if you've been around church life for the last 30 years, you know of books like 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 88. And because that book failed, there was 89 reasons why it's going to happen in 89. And that book failed. And I guess he gave up after that because there was not 90 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 90. At least to my knowledge, there's not. Um, but um, uh, would but you I, have written that book? Before you realize, hey, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Seems like after you failed the first time, you'd have been like, wow, I really messed that up. Um, okay, so we're just going to not do that anymore. But no, I mean, uh, have you read the Old Testament? People kept doing the stupid stuff all the time. So. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so chapter two, we get the erroneous teaching corrected. Paul emphasizes that there are certain events, uh, such as the man of lawlessness, the great apostasy, that those things have to happen that haven't happened yet. Uh, all these have to happen before Christ's return. And so obviously what these people are teaching is not true um, because there is no man of lawlessness that represents a figure that is opposing God, but God's ultimate victory is going to be assured through all of this. And so, um, you know, uh, in today's culture, this seems like an, an appropriate commendation for us as believers. Uh, you know, we're surrounded by, by what seems to be like tons of lawlessness, um, and so, but we need to remember that in the end, the victory is ultimately with God, uh, and that he will prevail, uh, over all the evil that we see. And it's our job to stay true to what scripture teaches and to proclaim the gospel to, to the world that is around us. Um, so then we're going to close out chapter two, uh, with an application in prayer. Paul's going to express his gratitude, um, for the Thessalonican believers, for their salvation, for their faith, for their sanctification that's happening through the Spirit. Um, all of these things that we've been continually learning about, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans, all of this stuff is just continuing to build. Um, he's going to encourage them to stand firm in their faith, holding fast to what they already know, to the teachings that that they had already been taught, that they received from Paul. Uh, even though this was a new church, um, you know, through Timothy and and through letters and through all these things, you got the first letter where he instructed them a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. All of these things are just going to continual, continually encourage them to remain faithful to the path that they're on. Um, and he's going to conclude this section here by praying uh, for God's comfort and His encouragement to strengthen their hearts as they continue on their Christian Christian journey. And and so, you know, we talked about. Um, at the end of first Thessalonians, uh, the, the Christian journey being those who work and those who can, you know, rejoice and give thanks and, and pray continually and all of that. And so, um, Paul is basically encouraging them on that, that journey that they're already on that he wrote, wrote about in the first letter. Mm -hmm. So then we get to chapter three and, and here Paul is going to request prayer. And Paul asked for the prayers of the Thessalonians, uh, or the Thessalonians, uh, and requesting that the word of God may spread rapidly and be honored. Um, he expresses confidence that God will establish and protect them through this time and through through their prayers. And so that's why he's asking 
Denver, because you know, if, if you've ever had somebody, I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like you ask somebody to pray for you and, and they do, and they oblige and you're like, God, you know, thank you for my friend and thank you for this. Thank you for that. And we pray that you would work with them in this situation. And, and, and it's like, it's not, not saying that it's a bad prayer, but it's just kind of generic. And you're like, okay, thank you so much for that prayer. But it's pretty obvious that you don't actually understand what I'm going through. And then right. you ask those people to pray for you and they're like, you know, they get down into the detail and they're like, God, I pray that you would do in, in this situation and in this detail that you would work for your like, and they just start naming these things and, and they, and it's almost like they're speaking from a place of experience. Um, right. And, and those kind of prayers to me just always tend to tend to cut me a little bit deeper um, because it's like, you know, I'm I'm asking for prayer, and then this person prays, and and you know whether they intentionally do it or not, I don't know. But but they they kind of share through their prayer, and you're like, man, my prayer request is not nearly as important as I thought it was with this what this guy's going through, mm-hmm. um, or what he's already gone through, and and you know, but man, that's what is what an encouragement for believers that should be that that somebody else has gone through what you're going through and that they can be an encouragement that God used their situation, the bad thing that happened to them to encourage and strengthen and to strengthen you. And so, you know, and maybe you're that person, maybe you're the person that has gone through something and, and you have the opportunity to pray, be bold, you know, be, don't be afraid to share what God has done and worked in your life and, and where you messed up and God came through and where, you know, it was just awful and God fixed it. And, you know, those are, those are all things that are meant to strengthen and embolden the body of Christ. And so I think you see that a little bit here when you're going back and forth where Paul is praying for them and he's teaching them. And then Paul turns around and says, Hey, you guys are going through it too, man. Would you pray for me? You know, w- would you pray for my strength and my encouragement too? Because man, God knows that I need it, and and so you see that vulnerability there with Paul. But in the end, he's going to underscore the importance of their faith and their obedience in following God's commands. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what prayer should do. It should encourage us, and it should um, propel us towards obedience to God and His commands. And so, um, as as we close out Second Thessalonians. Um, this is this is kind of where I wanted to camp for just a minute because Paul is going to talk about here at the end those who are idle and disruptive, uh, right before he concludes the book. And and when you talked about it there, First Thessalonians chapter four verses nine through twelve, um, he's going to address some of these issues again here in the second when we talked about the the people who were told to correct their their behavior or they were instructed on how they can correct their behavior, and he's coming back to it here because it's pretty clear that not everyone did. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he's kind of circling back to it uh, one more time to say, Hey, you need to make sure you're getting this stuff in line. You need to make sure that you're putting these things in line. Um, He's going to urge believers not to be idle, but to work and contribute their own substance or their own sustenance. Um, And, and this is a lot of times, this is where what, what, I would call the Christian work ethic is drawn from. And, mm-hmm. and mind you, I think there, there is a very, very subtle difference in a hard work ethic and a Christian work ethic. Okay. Uh, a hard work ethic says I'm going to work hard no matter what. And I'm going to do what's hard no matter what. And I'm going to just do the work and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to power through it. And if it, 
hurts my, you know, that's a, that's a hard work ethic. There's, mm-hmm. there's not necessarily anything wrong with a hard work ethic until your hard work ethic propels you to complete tasks for you. A Christian work ethic says, I'm going to do the very best that I have, and I'm going to put forth every ounce of effort that I can at doing this the best that I possibly can, because I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, there, there's a different motivating factor in a, between a hard work ethic and a Christian work ethic. And I think for a lot of years, we as Christians kind of co-mingled a hard work ethic and a Christian work ethic. And, and we kind of made it to where if you were a hard work ethic, that was a Christian work ethic. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, and, and it just said, no matter what you got the job done, no matter what, it didn't matter what you neglected, you got the job done. Whereas a Christian work ethic says, no, I'm going to prioritize my relationship with God first, my relationship with my family second. And I am going to work hard at my work, but I'm not going to let my work consume me. Um, and, and so, you know, as a church and as a society, I think we need to get back to that balanced view of, yes, I do need to work hard. I need to work at the things that I am, that God puts in front of me to do, but I do not need to devote my entire being to those things. You give it all that you have, you give it you're a hundred percent, but when it's time to focus on something else in your life, you focus on that something else. When you make sure that you're not neglecting your family, you're not neglecting um, your relationship with God. If, if your work ethic is interfering with those other things, then you have a problem with your work ethic. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I, and now we've gotten to the point where we're so polarized that it's, it's people who work hard and people who are lazy. There's no, there's no balance in between that. And and now the people who do work hard are looking at what they're calling the people who are lazy and saying, oh, well, if you don't work as hard as me, you're obviously lazy and you're milking the system or you're just a lazy person or, you you know, you have no work ethic at all. And, man, I know plenty of people who work incredibly hard and have, you know, they, they have nothing personally to show. But I also know people who do work hard, but they intentionally love their families. They intentionally spend time in their relationship with God. And so mm-hmm. when it comes down to a Christian work ethic, I think Christians need to rethink what it means to work hard and what it means to work for the glory of God. And and I yeah. can't define that. I can't define that for you because I don't think there's a set line. You know, I don't think that line happens at, at magically at 40 hours a week. Um, but I think there's a balance that can happen where, man, you talk to your family, say, look, guys, I know this is going to be a tough time for the next week or two. I've got to put some extra time into work. I've got to get a few things done and you get those. And you say, when this is passed, I'm going to take a little bit of extra time off and we're going to spend some family time together. You know, you do that balance back and forth. And I think there's a way that, that each person can do that. Um, and, and as long as they're, you know, staying accountable to, their spouse, their children, uh, their church, and and they're not neglecting any of those those other things. That I I think you're in in a safe place. But we need to get back to that point of balance, rather than saying that every single person who's not pulling themselves up by their by their own bootstraps is a lazy individual. Yeah. Um, because it's just that's that's not a Christian worldview. The the Christian worldview says, man, if you're down, I'm going to help you. 
Uh, if you, if you fail, I'm going to, I'm going to pull you out. You know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's another part of the Christian worldview is showing that sympathy and that care and compassion to people Mm who, who don't, who do fail, you know, who don't make it. And so, um, I just, I wanted to kind of just touch on that a little bit and I, and I hope that's helpful. Um, because it is good to work and it is good to give everything that you have and do all things, just like you were talking about doing all things as unto the Lord. Um, but, but I, I don't think we can get lost in doing work and say that we're doing it unto the Lord when really we're not real. We're not doing it unto the Lord. We're doing it for ourselves. Yeah. There's definitely a balance because you want to do your work well, but at what cost? Like, yeah, if you're, if you're not spending time with your family, then the work you're doing, like so, something that um I don't remember who said it and I'm sure it's been said like a hundred times or whatever, but like your kids are not going to remember that you stayed late to work on that project. That's right. They're going to remember that you stayed late or you weren't there for their dance recital or you weren't there mm-hmm. for their game or, you know, so there's definitely a balance between the two, but for me personally, I don't want to be the dad that is missing whatever it is. You know, like I like I want to be there for my kids. So if I have to tell my if I have to tell my bosses, hey, guys, I've got to be home by a certain time for whatever reason. Then that's then, you know, that's that boundary. And it's up to me to set that boundary because that's not going to be, you know, they can't magically read minds and be like, oh, he's Michael's got to be home by a certain time because of this, this, this like. I feel like there's a lot of um, hesitancy with believers mm-hmm. to say like, I want to work well, but I also don't want to ne- neglect my family. So I'm just going to do as much as I can and hope that I don't disappoint one party or the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I'm finding that I- I'm, I'm having to set that boundary personally, like myself, like I'm having to say like, like I've got to be home by a certain time. Um, to get the kids or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, I have to, like, I have to be the one that says, okay, it's time for me to go. And I have to get in my truck and leave. Like, like yeah. they're, they're, they're not saying <laughs> like, Hey, you need to go. Like I'm saying, Hey, I got to go. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, I'm done for the day. This could wait till tomorrow, like whatever it may yeah. be. Um, And, you know, you work, you work well when you're working, but you shouldn't always be working. That's right. And if you find yourself where you're like always working, if you're always, if you find yourself at like 50, 60, 70 hours a week all the time. Yeah. There's you, there's, and you've got a family. If you're single, like live your life, like, you know, whatever. Work, work 70 hours. Cause you can do that when you're single. Yeah. Yeah. If you're single, <laughs> like if you're single and you're listening to this, like don't hear us say like, Oh, you need to cut back. Like, like you may need to cut back, but if you're a married person with a family and you're constantly working 60 plus hours a week and you're not seeing your kids and you're not there for them when they need you and you're not part of, you know, the everyday, you know, you're you're leaving early, you're coming home late, whatever it may be, like you need to sit down and check yourself. Yeah. And like and again, like I, I've said this probably a hundred times on our podcast. Don't hear us saying this like we've got it figured out. I am having to do this regularly. Yeah. Like I am having to say, like, okay, I need to leave where I'm at by a certain time to get home by a certain time. Mm-hmm. 
And then I have to follow through with that. And sometimes yeah. I do great with it. And sometimes I suck at it. Like I'll be, yeah. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's 5:30 and I'm an hour and a half away from home. I'll see my kids tomorrow, like whatever it is. So um yeah. yeah, it's it's um it's a challenge to set that boundary, it's a challenge to keep that boundary, but it's something that you know you work as unto the Lord, but not for the not at the expense of your family. That's right. Well, because your family, because your family is first, like your family should come before your work. And if your work is before your family, again, you're not working as unto the Lord. Yeah, that's that's not the that's (laughs) not the order of things. Yeah. Yeah. So and and that's exactly right. And, you know, sometimes working as unto the Lord means I've got to stop and I've got to go home and see my family. That's what working as unto Mm -hmm. the Lord is. Yeah. Um. You know, sometimes working as unto the Lord says, man, as as a business, we took on this project and we committed to it. So we're going to we're going to spend a little extra time. And you say, honey, I'm really sorry. We've committed this extra time and I've and I've got to just stay here and get this done on this time. But I'm going to take some extra time off later, you know, and 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 that's what it is. It's it's learning to get that balance of back and forth. You know, I I still remember um, when I made the transition from. Uh, from secular world into church world, you know, I, I was, I was always scared of, you know, the horror stories of people working in churches and working 70 and 80 and 90 hours, you know, and, and things like that. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get in, I don't want to get involved in this. And so, um, but I, I sat down with my, my boss, my future boss. And, and he told me, he said, he said, Anthony, uh, I want to tell you something up front as an expectation. He said, if you work late, I expect you to take some other time off during the week. Mm. Um, you know, and and he said, Sunday is a work day for you because you're here the first one in and the last one out. If Sunday's a work day for me, then it's a work day for you. So I expect you to take off another day during the week. Um, and so, you know, he told me that really up front. And it and to for me, because I'm the kind of person who just I dive headfirst into everything that I'm doing at that moment. And and it's not that I, I intentionally forget, but I just, you know, I'll get wrapped up in a project and I'll get going on and I'll really, oh my gosh, it's 1030 at night. What am mm-hmm. I doing? <laughs> you know, um, I'm that person. And so it, it really kind of set the stage for me and my approach when I was working with churches to say, you know, no, I'm I'm going to set that boundary because a business is open from nine to five. You know, it's pretty easy to set those hours at a business. You mm-hmm. might occasionally come in early or occasionally stay late, but it's it's fairly regular to set those those hours. But with churches, man, it's a lot different. You'll have this event happening on this night. You'll have yeah. these other things going on. You have Sunday. You have practices, yeah. rehearsals. You got all of these yeah. other things that have that happen. Yeah. Um. And and it really makes you hone in on when am I working and what am I working on? You know, can I go into the office, uh, late? You know, one day a week because I stayed here until nine thirty last night. Yeah. Um. Can I do this? Can I do that? And and so it really makes you think and balance. And I really appreciated it when he told me that because I, I remember after one Christmas, uh, he sat me down and of course the Christmas time with what I did with production. I probably put in a hundred hours in one week. And, and he told me on that Sunday, we did our big Christmas production. He told me that Sunday night, he says, I do not want to see you in this office until Wednesday. Mm. And, and, and I was like, okay, 
<laughs> he said, you've put in enough hours this week and you need to take a couple of days off and be with your family. I don't want to see you in this office until yeah. Wednesday. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. The, the hard part about that is when you're working so many hours for a church, like we're talking specifically about church and I've done mm-hmm. it. So I, so I have like this experience too, like you're working for the church and it's hard to uh, separate working as unto the Lord as just work when you're working yes. for the church. And yes. sometimes when you're, uh, I hate to break, burst your bubble on this, but sometimes when someone works at a church, it's just work. Yeah. Like it can be just work. You're, you're just going in and, and you're doing whatever it, your, your job is. And, and then you yep. go home and it's, it can be very challenging. And I take it that, that your boss at that place was not, uh, someone I also worked with because I did not have that experience. Like, like, <laughs> and it was like, okay, you put in seventy hours this week. We'll see you tomorrow. Like, like, I, I had yeah. a lot of that, and so there was a lot of like frustration, tension, whatever you want to call it. There, so, um, yeah. And a lot of, and a lot of times, it, it just depends on where you are in life, where you are. You know, if you don't have kids or you're not married, or if you do have kids, stuff like stuff is different, and um, yeah. so. Yeah, as as a believer, it's your responsibility a lot of times to set whatever that boundary is. Yep. And then and then to not let that boundary get ignored. Like like if That's you right. say if you say, Hey, I've got to be home at a certain time, it's up to you to make that happen. That's right. That's exactly right. So, well, Paul wraps it up in his normal way here. Um, I hope that discussion, I, I did want to talk about that for a little while, but, and I hope that's encouraging mm-hmm. for you, for people, but Paul's going to wrap it up the way that he normally does. Uh, he's going to give them some encouraging words. He's going to emphasize basically what he's already been talking about, proper conduct, the, the Christ return is coming. Um, and he's going to give them a blessing and, and, uh, close it out. So, um, that is first and second Thessalonians, uh, and I hope you see we how those it. two books work together. We did it. Might be might be a smidge long uh, today, and if it is, we apologize. But that's what you get for getting us on a Sunday afternoon. We we talk a little bit more. So, <laughs> but Michael, if you have nothing else to add, would you pray for us? I would love to do that. So, um, God, thank you for um, your word. Thank you for these two books that we tackled here tonight, God, or today. Thank you for First and Second Thessalonians. Um, God, we've talked a lot about work today, um, and I just pray that uh, we as believers, we work as unto you, but we don't work um, in such a way that neglects our other responsibilities and the other things you've um, entrusted us with, our families, um, our spouses, um, and God, most importantly, our walks uh, with you. So, um, God, I just pray that if uh, there's anyone whose uh, work is getting in the way of their relationship with you or their spouse or their kids um, or they're just working so hard that they haven't had a chance to rest God I pray that um, this episode today has um, uh, given them maybe um, just an opportunity to, to, to check uh, to check their to check their lives to, to take inventory of, of what's of what they're doing and how they're living their life God I pray that um if they find that work is driving a lot of what they do and they're neglecting other relationships in their life, I pray that there is, um, that change happens. I pray that there's restoration of, um, relationships of marriages and with kids and, and all that God, I pray that, um, that 
we always work as unto you, but we don't let it get in the way of um, the families that you've entrusted us with, God. Um, I'll speak for Anthony here. I know that um, you have blessed me with a great family. I know you've blessed Anthony with a great family, God, and I don't want to neglect um, what you've given me. And I know Anthony doesn't want to neglect what you've given him as in regards to a family um, on the altar of work. And so, God, I just pray that um, we never sacrifice our family on that altar. Um, God, thank you for um, just your truth that we find in Scripture. Thank you for um, the character that we learn about, uh, your character that we learn about from Scripture, God. And I pray that we continue to uh, learn and grow and, and apply all this that we learn um, to our lives. Um, and God, I just pray that you continue to move in mighty ways, God. Um, we just thank you so much for your great love. We thank you for um, your mercy that is new every day. Oh, we thank you for the cross, and we thank you for your son. Um, and we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Anthony, if our listeners wanted to find the Beers and Bible podcast on social medias or an email address, where would they do such a thing? On the social medias, you can find us on the Instagram, Beers and Bible underscore, on the X or the Twitter, Beers and Bible P1, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcasts. And then you can email us directly, Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you your comments beer suggestions beer reviews things that you have found that are fun um hit us up let us know all of those places you can message us and we will do our very best to respond so until next week i hope that your beer stays cold very cold and your bible stays open and we will see you later peace out